1: Hello and welcome to Noon Edition. I'm your host, Sarah Whitmire, and for Bob Zaltzberg. And with me is co host, Mary Catherine Carmichael. Today, we're going to talk about managing animal welfare in Indiana. Here in the studio with us today are Monroe County Humane Association CEO, Sarah Hayes, and Pets Live Executive Director, James McNamara. Welcome to the program. Thank, Thank you. you. You can call in with your questions and comments to 855-0811 or toll free at 877-285-9348. You can also submit a comment or question on our website to be read on air at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Sarah, if you don't mind, we'll just go ahead and get started with you right off the top here.
0: Well, can I just interrupt once? I want to welcome you. This is the first time that you and I have ever co-hosted together, and the first time we've had an all-girl team. So, hey,
2: Uh-oh. welcome. Okay. Is here. <laughs> Sorry, James.
0: Right. So, welcome to both our Sarahs today. Yes, yes, thank you. Go ahead. Um
1: Sarah, first of all, with you, last week we reported on the Monroe County Humane Association working to rehabilitate and place more than 70 dogs um, they had found and rescued from a home in in Greene County. First of all, for our listeners who may not be aware of that story, can you provide a little background on the situation and what led to you rescuing these dogs? Sure. Um,
3: We received an anonymous tip from someone that there was a trailer in Greene County that had 70 or more dogs living inside and they were very concerned, obviously, about the conditions of the animals. So uh, I contacted the Green County Health Department, and we also had Indiana State Police come out with us. And we went out to the property, and sure enough, 70 or more dogs in this trailer, um, fee-infested, infest, um, not not in the best shape. Um, so we were able to work with the owner and explain why this wasn't a good situation. And they agreed to relinquish the dogs to the Humane Association.
0: What prevents that owner from then just getting more pets? Yeah, and that there is the problem right there. Um,
3: unfortunately, in Green County, um, they really suffer from some great animal welfare problems over there. Um, they don't have a lot of local ordinances, and there's no animal control. They have a very small nonprofit shelter that doesn't have a lot of capabilities to deal with these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a situation that... That I personally and them CHA, we're just working with these people to try to educate them and keep them in check and do the best we can because right now – there's nothing over there that can stop them really from doing that. And they are hoarders. And so they're going to have that tendency to hurry up and try to fill up again. Mm-hmm. Can,
1: can you explain that idea? Because I, I think I think you mentioned that in the story we did with you previously, this mm-hmm. idea of mission-driven hoarding. Yeah. What exactly does that mean?
3: Yeah. Well, hoarding, there are lots of different um, psychological disorders and things that come into play. And this one specifically is mission-driven where they feel like they're rescuing and saving these dogs. And they really do – believe they are doing the right thing and they are coming from a place of good but they don't have the resources or the know-how to care for them and they end up putting them in this bad bad situation Mm -hmm. not realizing that they're causing a lot of harm and they are driven by this need to rescue and save dogs and They will probably tell you, oh, we're trying to help. We want to be a shelter. But they don't really want to part with them. Yeah. You know, they want to keep them Mm -hmm. all. No one else can care for them as much as they do.
0: Sarah, can you explain why the Monroe County Humane and I always get society and association mixed up? So help me out. Association. Association would Uh be involved with a green county issue. Well, you know,
3: an- animal welfare, you know, we're not rich in resources <laughs> and those types of things, and especially these rural communities that have nothing. Um, it-, it sometimes ends up in other people's hands, and they happen to call us, and they're our neighbors. Our mission is to save animals. Um, we-, we deal with all kinds of animals, and To us, it's like we had to do this. Mm -hmm. We have to do this. And we were able to pull together the resources, um, a place to do the temporary shelter. We have the connections to do the rescue. PetSmart Charities was able to donate all the supplies for the temporary shelter. It really takes all of us. And when we do these raids, it's people from all over the place in the state coming together Mm -hmm. to do it.
0: So, And I understand they were housed temporarily in a Mm -hmm. city facility that was available. Correct. um, Kind of – Unusually, but what yeah. happened to be available yes. at that time? So, give us the postscript. What's happened since then? Right.
3: Well, we got all the dogs off the property, and we had teams of amazing, amazing volunteers from Bloomington. Great people um, who managed that temporary shelter and cared for all the dogs and worked with them. As you can imagine, they were starting to have pack mentality. Mm. They had all had hooks and whips and every kind of worm you can imagine. They had giardia. They Infested with, They were just not in good shape, and this was a traumatic experience for them. So we worked with them the best we could, and a lot of them started to come out of their shelves a little bit. Um, but they were all transported to other shelters. Some went to Michigan, some to Wisconsin. So we worked on transport to shelters that could take some and handle it. And mm-hmm. some stayed in Indiana, and, and a few are at the City of Bloomington Animal Shelter as well. So hopefully... Most of them can be rehabilitated and placed in homes.
4: Now,
1: James, I see you nodding your head. Yes, I'm. I'm (laughs) Is this something? I mean, does does this shock you at all? I mean, you, Mary, Catherine, and I are sort of sitting here, sort of in shock.
4: Uh, It doesn't shock me at all. uh, Only because uh, I've I've learned a lot in the last couple years in in this capacity at uh, at uh, Pets Alive, uh, and I think it's. Uh, horrific what uh, has occurred and fantastic that Monroe County Humane was able to uh, coordinate the rescue effort. My concern in in situations like this, whether it's the uh, the hoarding or uh, dog fighting or uh, um, dogs in hot cars or what have you, is that uh, the focus becomes on those kind of uh, headline-making events uh, when in reality... Uh, 70 dogs were were probably euthanized uh, between the Ohio River and uh, I-70 on the same day of the, of the rescue because our, our shelters are so overcrowded. So this was a, a clear case, I think, of uh, uh, animal cruelty, whatever the motives of the uh, uh, owners may have been, but uh, it's, it's not on, unusual. This kind of uh, uh, a cruelty towards cats and dogs, which is our focus at uh, Pets Alive, uh, happens every single day, every why, single day.
0: Why don't you just remind us what the mission of Pets Alive is?
4: Well, Pets Alive is uh, about doing everything we can to in the pet overpopulation crisis re- regarding cats and dogs uh, in south-central Indiana, where I really mean everything between I-70 and the, uh, the Ohio River. We think we have the long-term solution to the problem, which is spay-neuter, which is keeping animals from getting into the shelters uh, in the first place. And that's what what we're about as far as a pragmatic solution is concerned. Uh, But what drives us is the fact uh, that all these cats and dogs are being destroyed uh, because there's just nothing, nowhere to put them. And we we are adamant about the fact we will never blame the shelters for this. I think shelter workers, kennel workers, admin staff – uh, animal control officers are the real heroes of animal welfare. They're, they're the ones in the trenches. The whole system collapses without shelter uh, em- employees and, and ACOs. So uh, I, what, what we've done as a society is force them to deal with our pet overpopulation crisis.
0: And irresponsibility, really. And
4: irresponsibility. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that, that that's what we're trying to focus on is uh, – making their jobs easier because that, that is the absolutely last thing they want to do.
0: James, has this um, spay-neuter mm-hmm. model been successful in other places? That is that why your organization, Pets Alive, chose to adopt the spay-neuter approach?
4: It, it is indeed. And uh, uh, we are actually uh, based on a, a national model. That's uh, the Humane Alliance model from Asheville, North Carolina. We were the first uh, sp- uh, clinic uh, that uh, followed that model that was established in the uh, in the Midwest. Um, so we, I think everybody uh, in, in animal welfare knows that spay-neuter works. Uh, different uh, governmental jurisdictions will have different approach to uh, uh, whether that's mandatory or mm-hmm. uh, whether that's optional. Uh, we're, we're in a place right now where uh, we'll stay with it on a, from an education and advocacy point of view. But some of the places, and Sarah can throw in here, that she probably uh, transported uh, the dogs to, uh, that were uh, rescued, uh, were places that probably, I'm guessing, had aggressive spay-neuter uh, legislation in place and therefore uh, actually have, and you know, this is mind-boggling to us in Indiana, actually have kennels that have waiting lists, you know, or, or shelters that have waiting lists for cats and dogs so she can transport them to a, a place. She knows where the places are that... Uh, uh, have the uh, have have the room? You know, I actually have the room.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my follow up, Sarah. What what uh, what kind of legislation do those folks have in place? You mentioned um, Wisconsin and, and Michigan. Uh, how does their how's their legislation different than ours? Well, um, Michigan and Wisconsin,
3: those two shelters in particular um, are private shelters, and they're not governmental open admittance shelters. They can pick and choose. They. You know, they're in a little different position than, say, our shelter that's open admittance and Mm -hmm. any animal from anywhere will take. Where the laws really are the strongest and have had the most effect on the bottom line is the New England area. Um, The shelters that helped us are part of the Rescue Wagon Puppy Mm -hmm. Train Program. Mm -hmm. And we're involved with them. And so luckily it was, you know, they could fit that many dogs in their, their facilities. But in New England is where they have the aggressive mandatory laws for spay neuter and they also have funding so there is mm-hmm. they're part of the tax dollars tax funding for spay neuter because one of the biggest issues as james well knows, is is the cost factor and a lot of people don't do it because they can't afford it but they've made it mandatory out there and that's a lot of dogs from this area go to new england
4: and that's why we exist at pet at pets alive i mean we wish everybody would take their cat or dog to a mm-hmm. full service private veterinarian for this this surgery, and if th- if that was, we have no desire whatsoever to c- compete with full service veterinarians. But the fact of the matter is, is that it is a matter of uh, household economics, mm-hmm. and that uh, for a awful lot of people, that fee for the spay neuter surgery is is what uh, prohibits them uh, from from having the surgery done. And nobody suffers for that except the the, the cats the cats and the dog. So we rely on donor contributions to subsidize. The, the full cost of all those uh, the surgeries that we perform.
0: So it's been your experience that people know it's the right thing to do. Sometimes. But Sometimes.
4: <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, yeah, yeah. And Not some people so. are motivated by factors other than the pet overpopulation mm-hmm. crisis. There, there are very good animal behavior and medical reasons to, to uh, have your pet fixed besides the fact that it uh, has a, a positive impact on the pet overpopulation crisis. So people... When our, our customers come in with a variety of motives and uh, um, but and we 've still got a long way to go where that uh, before spay neuter becomes a, a social norm i 'd like to call it you mm-hmm. know where mm-hmm. it 's just a, yeah. a matter of fact yeah.
0: mm-hmm. what are the advantages james
4: the advantages of, of, of uh, the surgery yeah. well uh, the, the one we probably hear the most is uh, with regard to a uh, cat spray <laughs> <Yes. laughs> said probably the, you know we've, we've, we book a lot of appointments where people just want their – Cat to uh, stop spraying uh, aggressive behavior, uh, particularly in in males. Uh, this can be a, a, a benefit. Uh, the health reasons are uh, go on and on, uh, especially with the, the females. Actually, uh, o- ovarian and breast uh, tumors and and cysts can are eliminated as part of the part of the process and uh, and so forth. Hmm.
1: James, I want Sarah touched on this just a little bit, talking about. The Bloomington shelter being owned and operated by the city, but I yes. understand that's really not that's really not the norm. Most of them are owned Correct. or operated by a nonprofit. Can you can you talk about that and, and why that is unique and just sort of I guess the the pluses and 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 perhaps the downsides. Well,
4: I, I personally am of, of the belief that it is, it is the model. That is, uh, that is what is happening in, in Monroe County as far as how the shelter and the, and the ACO operations, and I think it's important that people understand that those are really two distinct functions, the sheltering of animals and the animal control mm-hmm. officers, uh, which are, you know, fortunately consolidated here in Monroe County. But to have uh, a government-owned and operated shelter means that those shelters are accountable to elected officials, and what we have when you have a – and this is no slam on the nonprofits that are running the shelters themselves and particularly no slam on the individuals hired by those shelters. But the thing with nonprofit shelters is that they are accountable only to their board of directors, and you get a – you know, that can be a group of five people. And if three of those five people decide such and such is the policy of this shelter, that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. And they are accountable to no one. They are accountable to no one. Now, that model works in some places. I'd argue that it's working in Brown County. I'd argue Mm -hmm. that it's working in Lawrence County. But there are other counties. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da. Where it is is not working. And and I, I just by reading the uh, online comments uh, which i yeah I, by reading the on, online comments uh, ba- uh, on the based on the sarah 's rescue from this hoarding situation it 's clear people have uh no idea uh, what how how that shelter uh, is funded um, mm-hmm. and how and how it uh, it should be financed in fact, I would argue that uh, um, there are people who fund the current shelter who think that all the shelters around them are also government shelters. And right. it's not a matter of mm-hmm. of uh, the mayor or the Com- Monroe County Commissioners picking up the phone and talking to the, the Owen County Commissioners. They Owen County Commissioners have nothing to do with the Owen County Animal Shelter.
3: And I'd like to throw in that there's also, there's good and bad to both sides, but the nice thing about having a government-run shelter is the funding to run it, because it is a community problem. And It's really hard to raise the money. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of these shelters that are struggling, Mm -hmm. part of it is you're in crisis dealing with all these animals, yet you're supposed to go out and try to fundraise. And maybe your background, you're not a professional fundraiser. So you're trying to do all – and it's a big struggle, and I feel like it's a community problem. It's great that the community is all paying into this. Mm -hmm. The downside can be we are very, very lucky in this community to have – Mayor Kurzan and the others that are so supportive of what we do and supportive of the shelter and they understand the issues. In other communities like Indianapolis, they are struggling, struggling with their government animal control shelter. They, they have people sometimes that they've hired in who have no animal welfare experience. And the government doesn't understand what needs to be done and how to do it. And so you, you deal with the political side as well. We're lucky here. Other communities – not so much.
0: Give us an idea, just kind of, if you will, what, what we're dealing with or what we're talking about as far as um, numbers of animals that have to be euthanized in Monroe County. And if you can, I don't know if you can or not, contrast that with um, maybe some other like-sized communities. Well, that's, that's a tough one. Um, I can say, you
3: know, the Bloomington Shelter in the past, I'd say, six, seven years had a massive turnaround because we had been in the position that a lot of our neighboring communities are in. Maybe not quite as bad, but there was high euthanasia rate um, and new people were put in place and progressive programs and a lot of support and euthanasia has gone down. So I know last year there was only one dog that had to be euthanized because of space. Most of them have to be put down because of behavioral problems or health issues that we can't Mm -hmm, fix. mm -hmm. Um, but there was one for
0: space mm-hmm. alone. Well, his name wasn't Lucky. No,
3: <laughs> no. But compared to what it had been, where it was a fifty, sixty percent euthanasia rate, when wow, we're in the thirty percent range now, and that includes that number includes as well owner request euthanasia, injured wildlife that mm. can't be saved. You know, it's not all just cut and dry cats and dogs, mm-hmm. but. It's it's really good. And what think, about the cat? Hold on just a second, James. What about the cats? The cats are the bigger problem, and that's a national issue is how to elevate the status of cats mm-hmm. because people tre- tend to treat them more dispensable than dogs, and the shelters are always overrun with cats. And if you think about it, if you're out in your neighborhood and you see a cat run by, you're probably not going to call animal control because you think a cat. Right. They can do their own thing. They can hang out. It's mm-hmm. probably somebody's cat. Um, but a loose dog, you grab it. You're going it to grab fence. it, or yeah. you're going to call animal control. And yeah, so the cats are a big, big problem. And we really need to work on much better owner responsibility,
0: and and spay neuter, especially. So we're still the percentage of cats that come in. Don't know. Okay, I, I, Lori Rehnquist, the director of the shelter,
3: mm-hmm. she would be able to tell you that. But it's still much higher for cats than it is for dogs um, for other reasons other than health and things like that because there are just so many
1: yeah
3: and litters and litters of kittens. You know. Just keep coming. They
1: keep coming yeah. every day. <laughs> in your work, James, do you see far more people coming in with dogs?
4: Well, w- we see – we're roughly a uh, not quite a 50-50 split. We probably do uh, about 55 cats, 55 percent cats, 45 percent dogs. But I was just going to throw in exactly what – uh, Mary Catherine and, and Sarah brought up. We still got a long ways to go on on cats. Uh, we've we've made an awful lot of progress uh, with, with dogs in in Monroe County, but uh, cats are are, are, are still the, ma- the 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 major problem. And uh, um, and and again, this is we're talking about probably the most progressive, well-funded, well funded, um, well. Um, Progressive policies in place mm-hmm. uh, of anywhere. I mean, the, the, I, we we always have to remember this is not normal. What's happening in <laughs> in Monroe right. County is not normal. I, and and as Sarah made the reference too. You you see uh, uh, a dog off the leash. You go, oh my gosh, where's you know where's the owner? Well, and I now work three miles south of Roar Road, i.e., the city limits, and I ha- I had to really adjust to the fact of seeing dogs off leash mm-hmm. you know i mean yeah. it's it's i mean yeah. and the leash laws are i think are example of a uh, progressive policies uh within the city limits of right. of bloomington uh indiana
0: it's funny it is kind of a different culture i hadn't thought yes. about it in yeah. those yes. terms for a yeah. long time but you're yes. right if it, and i live in town so if i mm-hmm. see a dog off a leash i immediately think uh-oh mm-hmm. somebody's lost their poor dog yeah. you know we better yeah. figure out a way to
4: and to get we that, see yeah. them crossing four lanes of state road uh-huh. 37 down by uh, by our clinic, and there's nothing you can do. I mean, they're they're that's that's just uh, the way of the country, yeah. Right now, at least.
0: I want to switch gears just a tiny bit. I was looking at your um, Pets Alive website today, mm-hmm. James, and um, I noticed that you employ two full time veterinarians, right. right. Wow, that must right. be uh, – I mean, I'm wondering about your overhead and tell me <laughs> – well, seriously, I yes, mean, that's, right. a, that's a big right. – uh, that's a lot of overhead because those are very well-educated individuals who, right. um, you know, deserve to be paid for their time and services. So um, how do you cover that? Tell us about what facilities you have because I'm sure you have to have surgical rooms appropriate right. for, for performing surgeries. Right. So
4: could well, you, we went into uh, – we, we brought on a second-time second full-time vet last uh, September because we are in a situation where we cannot keep up with the demand for spade and neuter surgeries. Uh, we have 20 uh, different transport partners in 20 different counties throughout uh, Indiana. We go out every day Load up cats and dogs and bring them back, and we were having to put here to, for, here to
0: Monroe county you do here County? Monroe we Monroe do the
4: surgery uh, down uh, down on south Walnut very south Walnut Street, uh-huh. and then keep them overnight for recovery and take them back the next day to these to these uh, partners, but we were having to put quotas on how many uh, animals could be sent uh, on these transports for the spay neuter surgery, and the, the biggest issue from our perspective, it was always female dogs because they take the longest for the surgery and the longest for recovery and and so forth. So we sought out and hired a, a second full-time veterinarian uh, that enabled us to, uh, you know, book our local appointments, uh, usually within 48 hours, usually within two or three business days as opposed to three weeks out, that kind of thing. And Sarah will tell you, uh, you don't want any obstacle in the way between – uh, people's decision to uh, spay, neuter their pets and, and, and making it happen because uh, opportunities will be seized uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, to delay that and it yep. uh, doesn't take long for a, a, a cat or dog to uh, um, become uh, with a child.
0: Okay, so you get them on the you – you pick them up.
4: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, children, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you get the, children. who picks them up and who drives them and who pays for the gas and how does all that work? Well, we
4: have a, a person who's specifically our transport coordinator. That's his, that's his primary responsibility is to go out, get them, load them up, and bring them out. Uh, and all that, the gasoline, everything is, is part of our overhead that we uh, rely on uh, donor contributions to cover.
1: It is the bottom of the hour, so we're going to need to take a sure. quick break. But we'll be back shortly with more discussion about animal welfare. And remember, you can also call in your questions, comments. It's 855-0811 or toll-free 877-285-9348 or online at WFIU.org Noon Edition.
3: This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Telephone. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. Programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Find out more at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m., 11.55 a.m., and 5.45 p.m. to catch that day's feature. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org.
1: You're listening to Noon Edition, where our discussion today is about managing animal welfare in Indiana, and our guests today are Sarah Hayes and James McNamara. We do have a call on the line. Shelly is on the phone. Shelly?
2: Hi. Um, I
3: just want to say I have two dogs, and I had them both spayed and neutered at Pets Alive. Not
1: probably because it was more affordable, but also I wanted to support that as a resource.
3: And one thing that I have found is I'm always surprised at the number of people with male dogs who choose to not have their dog neutered,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, but yet people are obviously much more eager to get their female dogs spayed because of the mess and so forth if they don't. Mm -hmm. Have you guys considered having some kind of campaign to really push having male dogs neutered? Um, Because it just seems like our culture or our community
3: is not as likely to have that done.
4: Well, I is that to me? Yes, it is to you. <laughs> Go
2: ahead.
4: Uh, first, I, I I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, we uh, this year focused on uh, a male cat promotion. We had our uh, first neuter palooza, where we actually uh, uh, did uh, male cat surgeries for uh, for free for for uh, a day. Did uh, about eighty surgeries. That day, uh, and it's the same sort of thing with cats too. And we were trying to get a, a little jump on what's known uh, in animal welfare is cat season and, and, mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, we haven't had a, a, a special promotion for uh, males. We did a, just did a kind of a. Pilot promotion, if you will, focusing on uh, pit bulls, which would take up a whole hour of this uh, yes, uh, <laughs> of this show if, if we went if we went there. That was that was male and, and female, more uh, breed specific, but uh, gender specific. So I got to say, I mean, we we uh, we we try to hit everyone throughout throughout the course of the year in terms of uh, of, of a prize promotion. The problem is every time we do a prize promotion. Uh, we need more subsidies to cover the actual cost mm-hmm. of, of, of doing the uh, the surgery.
0: Not to mention the promotion.
4: And the promotion, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So, uh, okay,
2: well, thank you so much for the, what you do. I think it's a great service.
4: I appreciate that very much. Thank you.
0: It's a good well, thing for, for your question. call, Shelley. You know, it seems like people have um, some kind of – I've heard some pretty weird things as a lifelong Hoosier about that.
4: And you can stop right there. Yeah,
0: yeah. You might be a Hoosier if. Um, about about uh, the down the potential downside of neutering your male dog that they think, you know, um, it will somehow de-masculinize um, right. if right. I can – I'll uh, let Sarah know, handle work. that. Yeah. I'm
4: obviously a biased source. Yeah. So. <laughs> No, I have to talk about
3: demasculating
4: men. Yeah, you okay. you get to talk about a demasculating males. <laughs> yeah. And why am I crossing my legs all the time?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, that is truly, truly a big issue. We do. You know, we have we have programs in conjunction with the shelter, um, a litter relinquishment program. So these people that are frequent flyers, as we call them, mm-hmm. coming into the shelter all the time, giving up litters, and and the parent animals, the MCHA will pay for their spay neuter at right. the Pets Alive clinic. If they'll fix the parents, so we can yeah. stop this whole thing. It's pretty simple, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't rocket right. science. Not right. rocket yeah. right. science at all. But we do. You will have a male stand in front of you and call you every name in the book and tell you that there's no way you're going to do that to his dog. And there are actually things called nudicles where they are prosthetic. Uh,
4: oh, here she goes.
2: <laughs> no, this I gotta hear.
0: This I gotta hear. They are
3: prosthetic testicles. That there are. There is a market out there. For for people who men who have decided they'll go ahead with the surgery but can't live without the fact that their dog you know is not intact and so they will have these fake testicles put in place i mean it is
1: truly yeah the things i never thought i would hear yeah Yeah. you
0: know i'm just so sad right now that gary larson has quit doing the far side side. since these have come out (laughs) because i the possibilities are endless Endless, i know not only can you have them for your truck now but you have them for for your your dog dog. it just uh gets better and better
4: okay if i could throw in a (laughs) a quick one on a a point on that uh, and then this was kind of a a revelation for moi uh which is uh, where I'm seeing a lot of leadership on the, on this very question is uh, uh, is NASCAR. Frankly, yes, uh, it is yes. is it is the NASCAR drivers who have really adopted animal welfare as as a cause much mm-hmm. more than the uh, to my knowledge at least than the Indy racers, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the sort of case where you have real role models now saying, "Go get your." Uh, your pets fixed including your 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 male dogs and uh, it, it it resonates in a in a way that uh, you know a bureaucrat sitting at a spay neuter shelter in bloomington indiana uh, is is not a uh, not going to be mm-hmm. as persuasive, so I and Kenny Aronoff has actually done a a, mm-hmm. a little blurb too, mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, yep. it's cool to you right. know fix your male dog, so He'll
3: still be a man." I think, <laughs> yeah, and still
4: be a man. He'll still be all boy. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, so I, I, you know, I, I I appreciate all those kind of endorsements because I think that's uh, mm-hmm. I think that makes a difference.
2: Now,
0: you alluded to something about the pit bull. Why did you Mm -hmm. do a special pit bull promotion?
4: Well, frankly, it was uh, uh, initiated by a generous donation from Yarns Unlimited (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because the owner of uh, Yarns Unlimited uh, is uh, 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 a very big fan of of pit bulls. And I've Mm -hmm. since learned that there are a lot of uh, what I'm – coming to call power pit women out there. There, there yes. are women that have this uh, incredible devotion mm-hmm. to this particular uh, breed, and, and and a lot of women who are about as far from the urban thug uh, <laughs> stereotype yeah. as, as you can imagine. So that's what really uh, triggered it, and we started doing uh, a li- just a little bit of research and uh, talking to—there's uh, a couple of great groups in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. Indy Indian Pit Crew and uh, Casa de Toro, yes. Uh, yes. and find out that there's— uh, people that are really focused on that breed. So we we, we wanted to try it, and uh, and we actually had a little money from the Ryan Newman Foundation. Uh, Ryan Newman is a NASCAR driver. Uh, Ryan Newman, uh, the owner of Yarns Unlimited, would not recognize Ryan Newman if he, uh, he walked in her shop and signed up for a crochet lesson. So it was this wonderful, <laughs> wonderful combination of uh, of the local and the national foundation. NASCAR meets the Courthouse Square of Bloomington, and uh, that's what uh, led to all that.
0: Well, that is very interesting, and I'm—I knew that Tony Stewart had been as interested Stewart. in uh, animal welfare, right. but I didn't know it was a whole movement yeah. within NASCAR. Greg Biffle
4: is, is 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 another one.
0: That's very cool. Mm-hmm. So the pit bulls are often associated with um, uh, fighting. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, unfortunate, and this is just such an upsetting topic. I almost hate to bring it up, but um, Sarah, is that something that takes place um, in our part of the world? A- absolutely, absolutely, and and I think we were.
3: Talking earlier before we were live about about being real, and I, I'm here to be real. It happens all the time. Um, last August, in fact, almost to the day, we were standing in Orange County rescuing ninety some pit bulls out of a dog fighting operation. Wow. And you know, this past Wednesday, we were standing in somebody's yard um, raiding a cockfighter and took two hundred birds this past Wednesday. I mean, this stuff is happening all around us. It, it,
1: it's not something that happens elsewhere. It, it's here. It is. Now, this this, this cockfighting raid you just mentioned, mm-hmm. you found out about that because he was actually, he was featured in a magazine yes. or something, right? Yes, With, brilliant. What? Yes. Right. But, but I'm wondering... Sh- but it's, it's <laughs> <definitely>. Cockfighting <laughs> today. Yes. Uh, right. Yeah. So, you got to so, be... Oh, my god. That gosh, obviously yeah. makes him easier to find, easier course, to bust. Of course. Yes. How, how do you find Darwin this? Darwin never sleeps. These are... <laughs> other these other sort of uh, – is it fair to call them underground operations? Oh, they or, are. Of are
3: course. It? They are always trying to be as underground as possible. And as you know, national organizations and local organizations have been really cracking down on these with success and in, in, in shutting down dogfighters and cockfighters one right after another, they're going further underground. But we'll still find them. You know, We will still find them. And luckily we have supportive law enforcement who's willing – to support us and go after them and shut them down. Well,
0: they make their money through gambling, right? Yes. So if people yes. don't go and watch the mm-hmm. outcome of the fights, then they're not going to make any money. Right. So I would imagine that um, some kind of underground, or not underground, but um, sting operation or, or undercover mm-hmm. um uh, police officer would be required to, to uh, you know, best this sort of thing. If you want
3: to catch them in the act of the actual dog fight, um, yes, you'd have to do that. And it's interesting you bring that up because the dog fighting and cockfighting laws, um, Indiana is OK. It's a felony to participate in those kind of activities and have paraphernalia is also a crime. Um, but to be a spectator, for a dog fight is not a crime and that's a big big mm-hmm. problem in busting these rings because you, you bust them in the act and everybody's going to say ah, I was just watching none of those are my dogs I've never seen them before and off they go and you need all of those connections and information mm-hmm. and and you know they bring their kids to the cockfights and to the dog fights oh, that's and classy. drugs involved and everything else and so you you have to have that piece of the law that It's a felony to be a spectator for a a myriad of reasons. Well,
0: I would imagine that that would not be that hard to get somebody to carry that for you. Oh, uh, Oh. do you
3: want to go there? You want to go there? I do, I do. That was part of um, a bill this past legislative session in Indiana and something that we lobbied for very hard. And it was part of um, a bill to to deal with pet stores and puppy mills as well. Um, Five times— this bill with with just the animal fighting part, five times we have brought this to the state house, and five times it has been killed, just the spectator felony part five times really yes, yes, there's big opposition, and again, we could fill hours and hours on this topic, but animal welfare is at a, you know has so much momentum and is being very successful. And we're getting backlash from the ag community and the farmers. I was just going to say, do you think it's because of our agrarian? Absolutely. Um, So anytime we show up with anything, the all the nonsense starts. Of you know, we're not going to support anything that you guys want. Period. Because I'm backed by the NRA. I'm backed by the Farm Bureau. You're all trying to end animal usage of any kind, and we really get way far out there and away from the issues, and it becomes very difficult. Mm To get things passed, and
4: Sarah was on the front line of, the, of that legislative battle. But just reading reading about it, it's it, you you see that. Uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Sarah, but the whole rationale almost becomes slippery slope. Yeah. Like if 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 yeah. you if you do anything about uh, puppy mills or mm-hmm. dog fighting, well, the next thing you know. You're going to swoop in and uh, tell us how to raise pigs or yeah. or what have you. Yeah. Sarah has the disadvantage, I would argue, in these battles of uh, having the, uh, the Humane Association attached to her name because that's, yeah. that gets blamed uh, – that gets used as a label to mm-hmm. say uh, – you know, that well, this is what they're really about, and it's really PETA in disguise, uh-huh. which is a whole other mm-hmm. yeah. uh, mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. Uh, Sarah mentioned the uh, IRA and the Farm Farm Bureau on dog legislation. Believe it or not, uh, the American Kennel Club uh-huh. is another force that she yeah. and uh, Ann Sterling at the State Association had to fight. Who knew? And they're uh, the, the IRA uh, Farm Bureau, or NRA Farm Bureau uh, AKC mm-hmm. their their biggest vocal champion, sadly enough, is State Senator Brent Steele yep. from Lawrence County. Lawrence County. His mm-hmm. district begins uh, three miles. I can see his district from my clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's right there at the Perry Township line. Mm-hmm. is 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 His district, and he has been, uh, you know, I would argue uh, more than any other individual, perhaps mm-hmm. in the state of Indiana, certainly in the Indiana General Assembly. Has been responsible for squashing more pro-animal welfare yeah. legislation, and it's it's sad that it's it's one mm-hmm. of our neighbors, but it's an objective fact, and you can yeah. uh, uh, you, you can read the newspapers and figure pull, that out. Pull
3: the voting record, or just call him and ask, and he'll tell
0: you.
4: <laughs> yeah, he and it has no qualms about it that wow. I can uh, determine.
0: Yeah! Wow. <laughs> So, okay, we've, we've covered the, the dog fighting and the cock fighting. Let's talk about where, and this is something I've always wondered, um, where do, and, and do they have to um, tell you or, or yeah tell anybody this, actually answer to anybody, where do the dogs and puppies and whatnot, dogs, puppies, kittens, I meant, um, in pet stores, like in a mall pet store, mm-hmm. for example, where do those come from? And do, do you even know, or if you ask, do they have to tell you?
3: Um, They don't necessarily have to tell you. They all, every single last one of them, no matter what any pet store owner tells you to your face, they all come from puppy mills and backyard breeders, all of them, every last single one, because a good, reputable breeder who is truly trying to maintain a breed and do the right thing would never sell a dog to a pet store to be sold, ever. In fact, most really good breeders lose money. You know, and they Mm -hmm. all, if something's wrong with the animal, they want to know because they don't want to continue to breed a dog with issues. And, you know, a pet store situation, that's not going to work for them. You know, they want to meet the owners. They have a contract. If anything's wrong with the dog, they take it back Mm -hmm. because it's their ultimate responsibility. They never would place that animal in a shelter ever. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, pet stores here have told us, you know, over and over, no, 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 we don't do that. We don't do that. Well, Yeah. Yeah, you do. We've, you know, now (laughs) how do you know know when your breeder, when one of your backyard breeders shows up on our door and says um, here after the fire that happened Mm -hmm. at Delilah's and showed up at our door with a litter of, you know, not purebred. These are what we call Indiana Hoosier hounds, (laughs) you know, and says here the stores burned down. I have nowhere to take them. Here you go and gives them to us. I mean, what more proof do I need? And then as far as the Amish puppy millers and maybe the pet store in the mall, um, it was legislation here in Bloomington City that we required that they have to list who the breeders are on the cages. So that helps because we know who the puppy millers are in the state and it is predominantly the Amish. Um, But, you know, it's still not great because if people don't know, you know, they just see a name. Mm-hmm. They see a name. They see a name. They mm-hmm. could mm-hmm. put a
4: post office box number for yes. for, uh, for the record. So there's, mm-hmm. you know.
3: Yeah. Um, and there are about down in uh, Odin, in that area, mm-hmm. there are tons and tons of puppy mill farms. And they do. They all go to this one P.O. box. And a lot of times they'll put it in their wife's name.
1: Hmm. Um,
0: so, yeah. When, when well, you say
1: that, there are tons down there that, that exist. Why isn't something done about them?
0: They're not illegal. Be, the, be, I, now, I, you and I have talked about this before, Sarah. Uh, they're mm. viewed as livestock. Is that correct? No, well, in their minds, sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> legally, no, they don't fall
3: under you know any livestock regulations. If we're talking about the Indiana state code, um, they they treat them that way, right? That's um, but there were there just were no regulations like in. in Monroe County and Bloomington, we have local ordinances that are – and generally speaking, local ordinances are much more specific than state law. Mm -hmm. State law is kind of broader, not quite as specific. There aren't limits on how many animals you can have and conditions and permitting and all that. But there are locally. Locally here, yes, yes. We're Here. Again, we are the island. We uh-huh. are the island. Right.
1: What sort of problem does that present? Because I assume in these rural areas, you're not going to have local walls that are like the ones here.
2: Right.
3: Right. It's a huge problem. And we have 29 counties in Indiana that have no shelter, no animal control, and no ordinances. Um, but so when we talk about puppy mills, and that was the bill two years ago where we put some minimum standards in – Um, but it's still not enough to absolutely stop them. They're registered. They have to have some minimum requirements of how the animals are treated and that things are, you know, you can sanitize and all of that. But, you know, are you going to be there at their
0: farm every day standing over their shoulder? And, Sarah, you've been to Mm -hmm. these farms, right? I've been to a couple, yes, that we've raided. Mm -hmm. And tell us a little bit about the conditions there. They're horrific. They're absolutely horrific. I mean, if you think of...
3: Assembly line mass production of a product. Exactly.
2: Exactly.
3: That's what it is, but puppies. So the female breeding dogs are stuck in these cages their entire lives. They don't get medical care. They never get out. They just breed repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. There's disease. There's. It's just awful. It's whatever they can do to keep the cost down and produce the most puppies and ship them out. And that's why so many places like Petland and all those other awful pet stores, you know, they have sick puppies and all of that. Because, and then the heartache, not only for the animals, but what people go through, it's, it's really horrific. But the conditions in these puppy mills are something that probably the average person would just be absolutely horrified
4: and And with the uh, the minimum standards that uh Sarah and ann sterling uh, were were working on that went through the uh, legislature uh, was it last year or, uh, yes yeah. mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the only way the only way even that got passed yeah. was with a kicker on the bill uh-huh. that said we are hereby taking away any home rule authority from any local government jurisdiction county town, city, mm-hmm. to have more strict standards than this bill we just passed. Yes. And that's when uh, Lori Rehnquist at the at, uh, Bloomington shelter had to scramble because there was a clock ticking to get any legislation passed uh, by the end of that year. So, th- Because after that deadline, there you is can't. nothing, nothing is local government mm-hmm. can do to regulate uh, puppy mills in any way that's more restrictive than the, the state standards. It was an incredible usurpation of a, a home rule authority, which used to be very near and dear to my You're heart in a previous argument. Yeah. 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 And that's, uh, not I mean, that's
3: not normal. It's not normal.
4: I mean, fi- normal. It, certainly on a non-fiscal matter. Fiscal matters, it might be normal. But on a non-fiscal matter, mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was incredible. It was incredible.
3: Yeah. Any, anything to tie our hands because yeah, they were hoping we would kill our own bill at that point. Of course. Right, right. right. that's
2: an obvious
1: ploy to just – Suicide pill. Yeah. 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 Where does Indiana rank sort of in this bigger picture in terms <laughs> of puppy mills and, <laughs> and animal welfare? Uh, yeah. If we can just put it into context a bit.
3: Yeah, we're not the absolute bottom of
1: the barrel, but we're – I know you mentioned my former state of, of Missouri is bottom of the barrel. Uh, yes, yes,
3: Missouri, <laughs> puppy mill capital there, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're not the absolute bottom, but but we have a ways, ways to go. We really, really do. We, we, we need to get a lot of things accomplished as fast as we can, regardless of how much these people are going to fight us. We've talked a lot about it. Is legislation the ultimate answer here? It certainly helps. I it's, think so. Yeah. It certainly helps because it can honestly tell you that these people that do these things to animals and profit from the abuse, the cruelty and all, they're not going to all of a sudden wake up one day and go, yeah, you know what? I'm kind of a bad person <laughs> and I'm hurting these animals and yeah. I'm just not going to do this anymore. I'm going into
4: I, the furniture aspect. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: They're not going to do that. And, and this this viewpoint that animals are property and don't you ever tell me what to do regard, you know, mm-hmm. regardless of the topic, uh, what, what issue with the animals, that's not going to change. And it comes down to... They have to be told what to do, and there are punishments for it. Mm-hmm. And, and that, so it's key. It's a key factor because we can educate, as James knows, until
0: you're blue in the face. And there's if there's a
4: profit motive and it's legal, it's, it's going to get filled.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't take a whole lot of brains to keep a dog pregnant.
4: No, and, yeah. and I think Sarah's <laughs> point, uh, making that distinction between what happens in these pup- puppy mills, there is such a thing as responsible breeders, yeah. oh, you know. yeah, they're uh, great. But they don't make – it's not a high-margin thing, mm-hmm. you know, and, I, and you know, I think I learned this from Sarah. Actually, the baseline definition is do they know who is adopting the, the, the puppies that they're raising? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean that's, that's, that's the fundamental. Uh, a responsible breeder would never wholesale – out, no. but, uh, but breeders an are
0: criticized for creating more animals when there are animals available um, right. at shelters. Right.
4: But right. You su-
0: I, but you support the breeders.
4: I, no, yeah. I'm saying there are responsible yeah. breeders. And I, I personally encourage everybody to adopt from a shelter. Right. But I also have friends who are fanatic about a particular breed. Uh, I have a friend who is uh, a fanatic about uh, corgis essentially, Welsh Corgis. Mm-hmm. And I get a devotion to a particular breed, whether it's Corgi or Beagle or, or what have you, where you really want mm-hmm. to seek that out, seek out a responsible mm-hmm. breeder. I get that. that so that's, that's, to me, that's... Uh, we've, we've got much bigger fish to fry than yeah. uh, jumping on responsible breeders. Thing is, virtually none of the breeders that are producing cats and dogs are responsible.
3: Mm-hmm. No. And, and honestly, the good ones, the good, reputable breeders... The AKC and, and the NRA and all that, the, the good ones are afraid to stand up with us. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for us to – and we'll hear from reputable breeders who say, you're right and go get them, and I, I detest all of that stuff. But they're terrified to stand up against it because they'll be ostracized and it, it would create such a big problem for them wow. that they don't want to speak out. Well, it sounds like both of you have job
0: security, but...
4: Uh, <laughs> well, we're both as working as as for nonprofits. non Yeah,
2: but. as long as
0: the
3: donations keep <laughs> yeah. coming, yes. Well,
0: but what, how do you feel about the future of, of, of especially dogs and cats, but, you know, animals in, in, in our part of the world, you know, southern south, central, southern Indiana, optimistic, pessimistic?
3: Uh, For our immediate
0: area, optimistic, absolutely.
3: It's great. It's just going to get better and better and better. We're a model. We're an island. I love being here. But what's around us is so far behind, and those animals come into our shelter as well. Um, they are so far behind that it is overwhelming sometimes to do you know three different raids in three weeks and, and you go out, you get out of your bubble <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah you get out of your sane bubble and and go out there and you realize you know law enforcement doesn't care, they don't want to get involved. Luckily, we have certain law enforcement that 's on our team and they 're awesome, um, but they don't care. They don't care. They're not interested. The commissioners, the people in charge, not interested. They don't want to do anything about it. And it, it can be overwhelming. And we have got our work cut out for us. We, ha- we have our access. work
4: cut out for us. And I think uh, and, you know, I've kind of hung back for a couple of years and tried to learn the uh, uh, the, the game, as it were. Uh, I, I, I sit here today convinced that the only way we move for, uh, forward is. Uh, by rattling some cages yep. and and speaking yeah. truth to power, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean uh, there there are cats and dogs dying every single day yep. because of there's not enough uh, there's too many pets and not enough mm-hmm. homes, and we uh, it's this is urgent this is urgent we don't have time to mess around mm-hmm. and if some feelings get hurt in the process I'm sorry uh, but uh, there there's too much at stake here to yeah. uh, to worry about that.
0: Well, and they aren't all just tidy little deaths either. They're often no. you know they die right. suffering. Quickly, we don't have much time left. Feral cats. Tell, talk talk to us about feral cats and the feral cat feeding program. Sure. There's a group called Feral Cat
3: Friends in Bloomington. There's another great one up in Indianapolis uh, called Indy Feral. Um, and they are groups that if there are um, feral cats, those are cats that aren't socialite. They're not pet-type cats. They're, They're wild cats. Wild, yeah. wild essentially. Um, And they start to form colonies. But these groups will come in and they will trap them and work with groups like Pets Alive to spay and neuter them. And they will do an ear tip so that animal control officers know that they've been been dealt with. They've been fixed. um, And caretakers will take care of colonies and will help feed them. And the hope is that you start to eradicate through spay-neuter and they'll eventually die off Mm -hmm. that way as opposed to just – hauling them all into shelters and euthanizing them
0: right because they are incapable of ever being pets right correct. correct correct
4: we have a program we will loan out people a uh humane trap a live trap and uh if, if if they want to trap bring it in we'll turn it around again the ear tip the rabies vaccination uh we don't get in the uh the colony management business we leave that to our friends at uh, uh feral cat friends but uh, mm-hmm. a lot for a lot of these people that just they have wooded acres or whatever and uh uh, we're happy to help them out with that process.
1: Wonderful. Great. You know what? And we're going to have to end it there.
4: But thank you so much to our guests,
1: Sarah Hayes and James McNamara, as well as we should thank engineer Mike Pashkash and producer Ariana Prothero. You've been listening to Noon Edition here on WFIU. And just a quick note about next week, we're going to be discussing political corruption. In
4: Indiana.
1: You want to have us back?
4: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll send emails. A yes. little bit
1: of overlap, yeah, we'll maybe. In. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. And just remember, you can always check out our website online. That's WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. And I'm Sarah Whitmire with Mary Catherine Carmichael. Thank you. Hey, great doing a show with you, Sarah. Welcome board, many Sarah. More in the future. Yes. Thank you.
2: local support comes from